Welcome to the Summit Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit summitsanmarcos.com. stretch their money as far as they possibly as, as it can possibly stretch because I know you're a miracle working God who can do over and above what I expect and what anybody can expect in the name of Jesus Amen. Oh, man. Um, I just want to invite up my favorite person ever Taylor Jensen <laughs> well this house Favorite person I think right here. One second. You're good. Yeah, dude. Here, can, can you keep the? Uh, oh, thank you. I just need to see the time. So, I'll put that there. You thank you very much. Thank you. No, I'm good, man. What's up? <laughs> oh, that's I see what you did there. Did you guys hear that? He just yelled out "reveal the word," and I was like, "Cool!" And I realized my shirt says "reveal" on it. And I was like, "Oh." That's still cool. That's still, still, cool. Cool. That's still cool. Yeah, no, this is actually a cool. Some dude, he's starting a new Christian brand, and it's really, it's really sweet. And his whole heart is to reveal Jesus. That's why the name of the brand is revealing. He gave me a shirt. So I'm like, dude, I'll support that. So anyway, hey guys, uh, so look around. See a bunch of new faces, some people that you haven't sat next to before. Real quick, turn to your neighbor or turn to someone you don't know. And say hi. My name is. And then hi. And even if you say, and then. Awesome. Wow, that was a lot longer than my name is. God, I just heard I go to the school. I'm part of this. That's cool. I love. I love how family this is. He's great. Awesome, awesome. Wow, you guys do this. Well, I, was, I just opened up a, a can of soda that was shaking up. Like, everywhere, all right? Some people are right now. All right, guys, begin to bring it together. Bring it together. That worked really well. <laughs> wow. Okay. That was like, I was not expecting that. I was like, hey, say your name, and then, you know. Everyone's like, nah, we don't want to serve it. Let's just talk to each other. So, but anyway, guys, welcome to Crux every Thursday night. It's our favorite night of the week. Yeah. And, uh, we, yep, John's favorite night. But anyway, guys, welcome. And Brianna's favorite night. Awesome. Okay, so anyway, welcome to the Crux. Uh, we are a college group here, young adult group here, and we believe in mobilizing young revivalists. We really believe that you are the ones called to go out and bring revival into your families, and your school, and your work, wherever you're, you're at. This is what you do. You bring Jesus everywhere you go. Right, uh, and that's that's really what we believe here. So welcome here. My name is Taylor. Uh, if you ever have questions, let me know. Uh, but it's good to be with you guys tonight. Uh, anyone know the series that we have been in? This is what you do. Wow. So this is the series we've been in. This is what you do. And tonight we're talking about prayer. Right. So this is what you do. 
pray. Okay, so we we went through this series about this is what you do as a Christian. You have all these different things that you do uh, as a Christian, you know, and you read your Bible and you do all these different things. You worship, you do all this stuff. So today we are talking that this is what you do. You pray. You see, prayer is a very active thing. It's not a passive thing. I don't know. Just being totally honest, so many people are like, dude, can you pray for me for this? And you're like, yeah, sure, bro. And then they go walk away. 30 seconds later, it's gone. Like, if I don't pray in that moment, if I'm not active about it, very rarely will I actually remember, right? Is that, am I the only person? I just throw myself on the bus there. Thank you, man. I got one person. Okay, I got two people. Okay, great. So prayer, it's not a passive thing that's like, sure, bro, I'll pray for you sometime. It has to become a very active thing that we do as Christians. So tonight, we are talking about prayer. And immediately, it kind of breaks two people in the group, like in the room into two different categories. Uh, One the people are like, yeah, I love to pray. And they're usually the one in the prayer circle that they'll take up all the 10 minutes praying by themselves, right? And then you have the other eight people, right, in the circle who are who are in part of the second group who's like, oh, no. Oh, right. If you're, if you're anything like me, as growing up, I hated prayer. I know you're not supposed to say that in church, but I hated it. Like, I hated prayer. And basically, prayer to me was a bunch of old ladies meeting on like a Monday morning at 6 a.m., right, and praying about really boring stuff. And it was like, this is the worst, right? Or, or they, we would pray, and it would be like three seconds in, my mind is somewhere else. I have no idea what's going on. I've fallen asleep in multiple prayer meetings before, right? And I just told him I was really like trying to like focus on God, right? And it was, I tried to make it holy, and I, I was resting in the Lord, uh, but it didn't work. So, but basically, guys, prayer, it's something I, tonight my goal is two things. One, to help change your perspective of prayer, and then split it into two things, pretty much, to show you that there's two kinds, there's multiple kinds of prayer, but there's two ones I'm focusing on tonight. There's devotional prayer, like your devotional prayer life, and then there's intercessory prayer. That's like you're standing in a gap and like, praying for stuff, right? You're like, come on, right? Praying for things, right? So that's the goal tonight. I love prayer now. I'll tell you a little bit about my journey, um, but um, because I got a lot to cover, I'll probably be talking fast because tonight after I speak, I really want us to activate and just to pray. I want our college group to pray. I want us to be a praying college group because prayer, I believe, changes things, okay? So am I with the right crew tonight? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, guys. So the first one I'm going to talk about is your devotional prayer life. If you don't care about prayer in your own personal life, you're really not going to care about it much in the corporate like intercessory life. Okay. Because if you don't think it works for you, you're not really going to think it works for other people. Okay. So prayer, in order to have a sustainable prayer life, you have to have a hunger for it. You have to want it. Right. Your parents can tell you to eat broccoli or they'll ground you all you want, right? But when you're 18, you're like, I ain't eating no broccoli anymore, right? But unless you realize what it does for you and you want it yourself, now you're not being forced to do it. You're actually saying, no, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to eat healthy, right? And the same thing with prayer in church, in kids' church, in school, they said the Bible says to pray. Parents say to pray. You need to pray. And they're like, why? Because the Bible says so. No one explains it. And then what happens is we get older and we just kind of stop doing it on our own, right? And so you have to get a hunger for it yourself. You see, wanting to pray just because the Bible says so, uh, it becomes really hard after a long time if you don't have a personal vision for your prayer life. And so 
Uh, we believe that it's really important to pray. Jesus himself modeled this lifestyle. Mark 1, 35, it says that Jesus would get up while it was still dark. He must have been the Messiah. That's crazy, man. He got up so early, it was still dark, to go out by himself and pray. It was something important for Jesus that he modeled in his life. And if Jesus needs to wake up every day and get up early and pray, I'm like, oh Lord, I need to do that too, right? Like I need a personal prayer life. So I want to show you the why and how we pray and kind of give you this model. This model is not perfect. It's not this like absolute thing. Some people will change it. It's okay. This is just some stuff I do that helps me. Is that cool? I give that to you guys tonight. Uh, first one, you have to understand the why behind the what. Okay, I'm praying why. Point one, the purpose of prayer is to personally know God. That's the main reason. Is because you get to know God more. That is why we pray. I pray privately so that I can become familiar with my father's voice and begin to understand his heart. I love this. There's this quote, this guy named Andrew Murray. He says, some people pray just to pray. Other people pray to know God. And I'm like, dang, I want to know you, God. That's why I'm going to pray. The first and foremost purpose of prayer is to know and to obtain the heart of God. To align my heart with his. That's why I pray on my own. Prayer is not supposed to be just a Jesus, thank you for this day. I'm sorry for my sins. Talk to you tomorrow morning. Like, no, like I want to know your heart, God. Right? Man, if the only time I ever talked to a spouse was when I messed up, oh, that's a bummer relationship. If the only time I talk to God is when I mess up, is like, dude, wow. Anyway, that was free. Okay, so uh, as a kid, my prayer, kind of prayer testimony is, I believed as a kid that God was just like Santa. You're like, Jesus, give me a new bike. Right? And I totally believe that's how it worked. I was like, I want a new bike, Jesus. Right. But then what happened is a lot of times as I got older, I became super theological and and I began to really believe and know that God was sovereign. But the problem is, is I swung the pendulum so far that I said, well, God's sovereign. He wants to do it anyway. Why would I pray for something he's just going to do? And it my prayer life diminished. It just disappeared. God is sovereign, but he wants me to pray. Right. And, And so, uh, This is what happens is you will always notice that your relationship with God is directly tied to your prayer life. The two of them cannot be separated. Why? Because it's a relationship, right? It's this positive feedback system that's basically like if I'm intimate with God, I will want to pray more. And since I'm praying more, I'm now becoming more intimate with God. And because now I'm intimate with God, I want to pray more. And it helps itself. Or it could be a negative system that goes the other way where it's like, I don't really pray very often. And so my heart, my connection, my intimacy with God starts to diminish. And because it's going down, I, I, I don't feel close to him. I don't really want to pray. And then it goes down further. And then uh, I don't really want to, I don't feel intimate to him because I'm not praying. And I'm not praying because I don't feel intimate with him. Right? So do you see how they are directly tied together? You have to establish uh, this kind of a prayer life. And it doesn't matter if it's your gift or not. Some people are like, dude, his gift's evangelism. His, his gift is teaching. My gift's prayer. You know, I you're like, I do not have the gift of prayer, right? But the problem with that, that's like getting married. Your spouse is like, dude, how can we never talk? And you're like, I don't have the gift. <laughs> right? 
some people though they, they need to work on communication in different areas I get that but you are going to get slapped if you look at your spouse and you're like I just don't have the gift to talk to you right like whoa that is not gonna work right and so so many people they're like I'm just not a prayer person I'm more of a doer Right, I do stuff, right? I get stuff done. I don't pray about it, right? Whereas it's like, whoa, wait. If your spouse or your kids or any other relationship in life, right, that would not work. You can't just be like, nah, I don't need to talk to you. I just need to do stuff for you. That's not going to work. So why do we think it works with God? I love this quote. Uh, It's a long quote, but it's a good quote. So it's worth it. Here we go. Okay. The great people of the earth today are the people who pray. I do not mean those who talk about prayer, nor those who say that believe in prayer, nor those who explain prayer, but I mean those who actually take time to pray. They have not the time. It must be taken from something else. That something else is important. It's very important and pressing, but still it is less important and less pressing than prayer. There are people who put prayer first and group the other items in life schedule around and after prayer. These are the people today who are doing the most for God in winning souls and solving problems, awakening churches, supplying both men and money for the mission posts, in keeping fresh and strong their lives, far off in sacrificial service on the foreign field where the thickest fighting is going on. And they're the ones who, they keep the earth sweet a little while longer. Dang, S.D. Gordon. Like, that's intense. That's true. I don't even know who he is, but I'm like, I believe you. That was incredible. So practicing prayer, your private practice will determine your public performance. What you do in public is determined by what you do in private. It always will be like that. Otherwise, it catches up on you and people are like, you don't have a relationship with God, right? Like, you have to first do it in private. So step one, this is, um, we're in a section called preparing to pray. Step one, you got to prepare to pray. Schedule a time to pray for a scheduled amount of time. Schedule a time to pray for a scheduled amount of time. Some people are like, but I'm a spontaneous person. I just pray when I want to pray, which is totally cool. Totally cool. You can keep doing that. But the, in addition, exactly, in addition to your scheduled time for why it's like going on a uh, on a date with somebody, we have to look at our, our our schedule, look at our month, and say, okay, that's a good day. Let's go on a date. If you just say like, we'll do it when it happens, when we feel like it, it's like that's not gonna happen, right? Spont- there might be spontaneous moments where like, let's go to the beach, let's do something awesome, right? But you have to schedule it out to keep the fire alive inside of you. It's the exact same thing with God. Is this making sense, guys? The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. (laughs) The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. You can read every book on how to ride a bike. You can study it. You can learn all about it. Know the math. Know the physics. Know everything. Have everything perfect. perfect, But until you ride a bike, you don't know how to ride a bike. That's true. (laughs) You just got to get on the bike and try. Okay? So it will be awkward at first. 
You may pray everything you have. I remember I was at a school and they said, your grades determine, like we're trying to teach you guys how to pray. You have to pray and document an hour of prayer every night. And I sat there on the ground and I, oh man, I would like, it, it, oh, it was like I was going to war the whole hour before I was sweating and I was nervous. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Right. And I sit down there in prayer and I'm like, uh-oh, it's me and you, God. We're alone. Like, I'm just sitting there. And I'm like, and I close my eyes. I start my timer. Right. And I pray in my heart out. I pray, pray. I repent for every sin I've ever done in my life. I, I thank God for my grandma and my grandma's grandma and my grandma's, my, and my cat, my grandma's cat. My, right? I, I just pray for everything I know how. I look at the clock and five minutes went by. And I was like, oh God, I'm gonna die in here, right? Like, it was the worst, right? And it's hard at first, guys. You have to make a discipline out of it. Make it a consistent discipline in your life. That's step two. You're all very disciplined people. Some of you are just really disciplined at watching Netflix every night. Some of you are really disciplined about playing on your phone. Dude, this generation is so disciplined. We post on Instagram every single day without missing a day. If you miss a day on Snapchat, there goes your whole streak, man. I am disciplined about this, right? We're disciplined. Don't, don't believe the lie you're not disciplined. The thing is, are we disciplined about the right things? See, you are all disciplined with what is important to you. You are all very disciplined. Like all good things, prayer requires discipline. Yet I believe that life with God should seem more like friendship than a duty. Prayer includes moments of ecstasy, moments of dullness. Mindless distraction and acute concentration. Flashes of joy and bouts of irritation. In other words, prayer has features in common with all relationships that actually matter. Thank you. That was Philip Yancey said that one. Prayer has features in common with all relationships that matter. Distractions will come. I would sit there. Here we go, Jesus. Time to pray. Hit my clock. Five friends would ask me to go to the movies with them. And I'm like, huh? Oh, no, I have FOMO. That's what my brother called it last week. I'm, I'm afraid of missing out. What if I miss the movie? Because I'm praying, right? The minute you start to pray, the devil is going to send distractions. What I do now is I just turn on do not disturb, silence my phone, put my phone away. Wow. Otherwise, my prayer life isn't going to happen. Almost everything, every time I, I pray, my phone goes off. I just have to change it and say, you can wait an hour. Set yourself up for success. That's point three. You see, Jesus, Matthew 6, says, 6, 6, he says, but when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. Jesus is like, dude, get away from the distractions. Shut the door. Me and you time. Me and you time. Have a prayer list or something ready. Like do something, like have it ready. Uh, step three it's just, this is our, sorry, section. This is the next section. It's pray, and I want to give you a practical guide real quick. Okay, I want to break down actually how to facilitate prayer time, okay? Because we're like, okay, I want to pray. Now what do I do? And I would sit there for five minutes and be like, oh, what do I do now? Right? So step one, what I do usually, if I'm going to take an hour to pray, I, I usually spend the first few minutes just welcoming him. I'll kind of like pray in the spirit or I'll just welcome or there was a season where it just felt like saying the name of Jesus. I would just go, Jesus, Jesus, 
Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Right? And I just got familiar with saying his name and just love it. Just looking at him. I just would, Jesus, you're welcome here. Come. Just be with me. Number two, step two is adoration and thankfulness. Spend some time speaking out your adorations. You see, prayer is not about changing God. It's about changing you. That's right. Right? Prayer does not change God. It changes you. And so when we actually pray and we begin to say, Jesus, you're beautiful. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, you're amazing. You're so good. It changes something in my heart. It's like a frozen piece of steak or meat that it's frozen to the core. You put it next to a fire and right away, two minutes, it's like nothing's happening, right? If it's frozen to the core, right? But after a while, when you keep it by the fire, it thaws out. When you put your heart, no matter how frozen, and you stick it next to the all-consuming fire, it will thaw out. It might be at different rates. It might be at different times. Everyone will have a different, but I promise you it'll change your heart. Step three, this is what I do in my prayer. I begin to just confess my heart. I just spend time confessing what is on my heart to Jesus. And I just say, Jesus, this is how I feel. This is what's going on in my life right now. I remember there was this time when my life, I was very much um, angry at God. I kind of said, I'm done with all the junk. I'm done with all the theology and the religion. I love that stuff, but I, it's, I, I'm depressed. I hate my life. And I remember I got so angry, and I just started saying all the no-no words to Jesus. I just started uh, yelling at him. I started cussing at him. I started saying, you know what? If you're real, like, how come this happened to my friend? What's going on? Like, if you knew what was going on in my mind, you would have been like, I'm just sitting over here, so the lightning... When it hits you, I'll be okay. Like, that's just like how gnarly I was, right? And I was, I was raised at a school and it's like, you don't ever do this, right? And, and, and basically, um, this lady came, this lady was looking at me. And, and she kept looking at like three days. I like ran into her at this school and she just stared at me. And it was one of those, it was like creepy. And it was like, like, and then it was like, she knows what's going on. I feel like, like, think holy thoughts. Like, what's going on right now? Like, like, think about Jesus. Like, actually, I feel like she's reading my mind or something. This is weird. And then she came up to me three days later after I'd been yelling at God for three days. And she said, hey, God's been telling me a lot about you these last three days. And I'm like, oh, crud. I've got to get rebuked. Oh, man. Oh, man. Like, oh, brace yourself. And she says... And God says it's because he's talking to me a lot about you because for the first time in your life, you're finally starting to talk to him. And I got messed up. I was like, what? And she said, God already knows what's happening in your heart. You might as well talk to him about it. Who are we to just put a a shell on our heart and it's like, God, I'm good. I'm okay, God, I'm okay. He's like, no, no, talk to me. Just talk to me about it. He's like a good dad who just wants to talk to his kids. Step four is ask for what you want spiritually and practically. Uh, uh, there's this thing called prayers to strengthen the inner man. It's back there. I have a whole packet. I pray through that almost every single day. And it's real practical, real easy. It says fellowship. It's an acronym. And then F is for fear of the Lord. And you've got God, give me a fear of you. I want to I wanna care more about what you think about me than what men think about me. And number two, E is like endurance. And you're like, God, give me endurance to go after you, to go after the things of God. L is for love. God, give me love, God. And it's like these prayers that help you keep on track with God. Strengthen my heart. And for those who want them, I print up a whole bunch. I pray through them every day, and I've been doing that pretty much every day for 
seven years, and it's changed my life. Just real practical, read through it. If I had time, I'd go through it all. But uh, yeah, go get some of that. It's good stuff. You can adapt it. You can change it. You can add your own things. Some days, you know, I get stuck on S, and I just sit there for 30 minutes. Some days I'll get stuck on, you know, W, and I'll just, which is worthy. And I'm like, Jesus, make me worthy. Jesus, make me a man who's worthy to be called a Christian. <laughs> make me a man who just loves you, who just goes after you, right? Like, does that make sense? So yeah. some days you get stuck on other ones, but it's just when you have a list to pray through, it really helps your mind engage. Otherwise, you'll pray through everything, and then you'll stop, and you'll be like, no, what? You know? And so it just it really helps you out, okay? All right, guys. So that's the last step that I do in a personal prayer life is listen. Take some time just to stop and say, God, what do you want to say? Mm. And have a journal ready. Or your, uh, I don't recommend your phone because you'll be typing out what God's telling you and a text will come in. So <laughs> I'd say write it down in a journal or something. Just say, God, what do you want to say? And he might say, let's talk about your heart. Let's talk about this verse. Let's talk about your friends. Let's talk about whatever's going on in your life. Right? And that's a great time when he just speaks back to you. A lot of times we just one-way conversation to God. We don't give him time to speak back to us. Sometimes you'll sit there for 20 minutes and I got nothing. But that's okay. I'm opening my heart to receive God. Does this make sense? Does this help out? Yeah. The goal is just to make it real practical. Step one, try this, try this, try this. You can change it, change it, do your own steps. This is what I do in my prayer life, and it's, it, it really helps me out a lot. So that was my goal. Can I talk about the next part, which is corporate prayer? Can I do that? You guys are all tired of corporate prayer. Right. No, I'm going to talk about this just for like 10 minutes or so, and then we're just going to jump in, and we're going to actually corporately pray together. Is that cool? Yeah. You guys doing okay? Are you liking it? Wow. No one said a word. You guys liking it? You all right? Oh, good. Okay. Praise God. Okay. Okay. Here we go. All right. So intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. This is different from personal devotional prayer. Okay. Intercessory prayer. It's really where you're stepping in. You're praying for something else. So remember, I pray devotionally to become familiar with my father's voice and to understand his heart. Right. I pray intercessory prayers to release my father's voice and release his heart onto the earth. You see how it's different? One, I'm receiving devotion in my heart. The other, I'm standing the gap and I'm releasing it out. Okay? So uh, the difference is I want I really want to change this. A lot of times uh, the model for intercessory prayers, we sit there and we just pray every possible thing we can think about, about, you know, grandma's cat or something like that, right? Praying that, that it'll fall out of the tree or whatever, right? Or we'll jump in and we'll start praying when it's like, I'm in trouble, Jesus bail me out. Sometimes our only intercessory prayer is like, God, change this test date so I don't have to do it, right? Like, we'll like, like we need to change what's feeling our intercessory prayer, okay? So this is how we pray. So often we're like, dear Jesus, like it's some letter he's reading and we're just like, oh, Jesus. And we say his name over and over. Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus. Jesus, save me, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. You know, like, and it's like, Okay, wait, what are, you, what are you praying for right now? Okay, so I want to show you something. Go ahead and turn to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. I believe this is a strategic model for how to walk in intercessory prayer and how to release it out into the environment. When I read this chapter, I said, what the heck? That is the weirdest chapter in the entire Bible. It was my opinion. So it might be weird for you, but I believe that inside of it, there is a good model to show us how to pray intercessory over a region and over our lives. Is this cool? Yeah. Cool, awesome. Okay, here we go. Real quick, Ezekiel 37. 
It says, verse 1, The Lord took me, which is Ezekiel, and he carried me away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. So he's having a vision, or it might be natural, or this prayer, whatever it is, it's not clear, but the Lord's taking him and showing him something. Verse 2, He led me all around among the bones that were covered on a valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? That's crazy. And then Ezekiel replies, Oh Lord, I replied, you alone know that answer. That's what I do. I'm like, you know God, I don't know. Right? Okay, verse four. Then he said, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I'm the Lord. That's not like a, Dear Lord, would you please, please help me? He's like, speak to the bones and tell them this, right? So he says, so I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. That's creepy, right? <laughs> then as I watched muscles somehow formed and flesh formed over the bones, then skin covered their bodies, but still they had no breath in them. Then God said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breathe from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bones so they will live again. So I spoke this message as he commanded and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, uh, they represent Israel. Uh, and then he basically goes on to kind of give the interpretation about what it means. Okay. So the part I want to emphasize is there's a prayer model happening here for intercessory prayer. See, God had a plan. He walks up. He's like, bro, see that pile of bones? Can you make them live again? And, and he being the great theologian that he is, he doesn't want to say no because that's telling God that he can't do everything. And he doesn't want to say yes because he really just doesn't believe it can happen. So instead he stands in the middle and he's like, you know God, right? And then God's like, I do know. So basically, I want you to speak to the bones and command it to happen. The question was, it was God's plan, God's power that pulled the bones together, God's everything. Why did he want Ezekiel to do it? Exactly. Stole my answer. <laughs> That's a good one. He said relationship. <laughs> Basically, what I love is God, he starts this. Ezekiel listens. God gives him the prayer, gives him the blueprint, says, this is what you pray. And then Ezekiel didn't ask, Bones, can you please come together? Please. Right? He said, come together. Well, not Jesus' name. The Lord says, come together. Right? He speaks to them. He didn't ask. You see, God wanted it to happen, but he wouldn't let it happen unless Ezekiel partnered with him. God did 99% of the work here, but he wouldn't release it without the partnership of Ezekiel. There are certain plans God has for America, for California, for your city, for your family, for you. There are certain plans he has. It's his power. It's his call. It's his everything. But he will not do it unless you partner with him. He will actually limit himself and not do it unless he gets your partnership. Right? 
So in this moment, God says, I want to do this, but I'm going to do with you. Why? It's like he, he creates this beautiful house and he says, I want a co-signer. I want someone to do it with me. Why? Why? Relationship. It's the kid who's like, dad, let's build a tree house. And the dad's like, okay, let's do it together. The dad does all the work. The kid messes up the entire, the kid's kicking over buckets of paint. He's cutting things wrong. He's stubbing his toe. You know, all this stuff, right? It's this crazy montage of the kid just messing up and the dad like carrying the kid through, right? And then at the end, they build this beautiful house and the kid's like, mom, look what dad and I built. And the dad's like, yeah, we sure did. We did it together. God would rather slow himself down and do it with you then do it perfect and right the first time. Wow. Because he wants relationship with you. I was just with my niece and she insists on doing everything on her own. <laughs> She's like, I want to pour the milk. And she pours it everywhere, right? <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you're adorable. I love you. <laughs> right? And something about teaching you to do it fulfills my heart. Doing it with you. That's what it matters. <laughs> God wants to release his power in your life and in the world, but it's through you. There's power in your prayers. God will limit himself even until you pray out certain things he's asked you to pray. Matthew 9 says this. It says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. It's his harvest that he gets for himself. And yet he says the harvest won't come unless you pray for it. That's crazy. This is a big responsibility, guys. Prayer is the place when the sovereign plan of God collides with the free will of man. Ooh. It's God says, this is my plan. Will you use your free will to help bring it out? Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like this beautiful thing where my free will collides with God's sovereign heart and everything changes. I want to show you guys something. Uh, go ahead and throw up the slide real quick that I had up there. We'll try to do this in just a few minutes and then we'll be done. Okay, so this was back in 2009, 1995 to 2009. With respect to the abortion issue, would you consider yourself to be pro-life or, pro, or pro-choice or pro-life? This was taken by the Gallup. The Gallup is one of the biggest research institutes, basically, or, or research organization in America. They've been around for years. They're widely respected and they're known, okay? Uh, you can see uh, that since 95, Pro-choice was always up here. Pro-life was always down here. Okay, uh, And it's always been like that. I, I know a guy. Jeremy knows him too. There's this guy in Washington, D.C. He, for the whole year, right here in 2008, he felt like God said, dedicate your team to praying for abortion. So he got people every single day. He even talked about 4th of July. They're hearing fireworks going off outside and they're sitting inside and they're praying for the ending of abortion. That God would change the people's minds. That something would happen and the sanctity of life would come back into people's hearts. The next year uh, this was released and for the first time in American history there was a 7% shift. This went up, this went down. 7% doesn't sound like a lot. It was 19 million people. Wow. The Gallup thought they were wrong, so they redid the test and they came out with the same answer. They had other organizations say that that's, not, that's impossible. They challenged the Gallup, so they did it themselves, came out with the same answer. They released uh, uh, like a 10-page like 
thing explaining what happened. And they came down to this. They said there is no logical conclusion as to why the results and why the minds and the hearts of the people of America have changed in such so drastically in such a short amount of time. Wow. <laughs> I propose it's because people were praying. I believe it was a moment where it's incredible, the exact moment they set their hearts to pray, minds of people began to change. Hearts of people began to change. And for 50 years, all the way back to Roe v. Wade, it was pretty much like this. And then all of a sudden, in 2009, these people dedicated themselves to prayer, intercessory prayer, and it shifted and changed. Prayer changes things, guys. This is a really, really big deal. <laughs> There's no, I just want to like show you guys that things will happen. Things will change based on how you pray. This is not the, the boring grandma sitting in a circle saying, God, uh, you know, please change my nephew. Make it, you know, like, like this is like, God, change America, right? And America begins to change. This is a big deal, guys. This isn't boring stuff. This changes everything. In 1904, this is my last story, and then we're going to use the next 25 minutes just to pray together. Is that okay? Yeah. Is you ready to pray? So, uh, in 1904, and uh, there was, I love revival history, uh, there was a revival that happened in Wales, in Europe, okay? It was in a small church meeting, and they had a prayer meeting. There was a 14-year-old girl named Flory Evans. And it said that she had been saved for about three days. Okay? So, she's a great theologian. Okay? So, she didn't know any Bible verses. She didn't know how to pray. And she didn't really know much of anything. She was scared. And she felt like she was supposed to pray during this meeting. There's this big, there's this meeting happened with about 100 people. They said... Uh, all of a sudden, they invite God to come. She starts trembling, and she says, I really feel like I'm supposed to pray. No one taught her how to pray. She doesn't know what to do. She doesn't know what to say. They let her go on stage. She says this. She gets up, and she says, Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.